0: Welcome to the church door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. All right. Let's pray. Lord God, You have caused all your holy scriptures to be written for our learning. May we so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by the patience and comfort offered by your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of eternal life, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Revelation chapter 17. I'll I'll read it here out of the New Testament for everyone by uh, the by tom wright um so this will be this will be different from your translation so just uh stop and and take a listen as i read through it and uh we'll see uh what we can glean here then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came over and spoke to me come with me he said and i will show you the judgment of the great whore who sits on many waters. She is the one with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. She is the one whose fornication has been the wine that has made all the earth dwellers drunk. So he took me away in the spirit to the desert. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet monster. It was full of blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was wearing purple and scarlet and was decked out with gold and precious stones and pearls. In her hand, she was holding a golden goblet full of abominations and the impurities of her fornications. On her head was written the name, Mystery, Babylon the Great, Mother of Whores and of the Earth's Abominations. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people. "'and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. "'When I saw her, I was very greatly astonished. "'Why are you so astonished?' asked the angel. "'I will explain to you the secret of the woman "'and of the monster that is carrying her, "'the one which has seven heads and ten horns. "'The monster you saw was, and is not, "'and is due to come up out of, from the abyss "'and go to destruction.' all the inhabitants of the earth will be amazed all that is whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the monster that was and is not and is to come this is a moment for a wise and discerning mind the seven heads are the seven hills on which the woman sits and there are seven kings five have fallen One is still there, and the other has not yet arrived. And when he does come, he is uh, determined to remain for only a short time. And the monster, which was and is not, he is the eighth king. He is also one of the seven, and he goes to destruction. The ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received their kingdom, but will receive their authority as kings with the monster For a single hour. All of these are of one mind. They give their power and authority to the monster. They will make war with the lamb and will conquer them. And the lamb will conquer them because he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Those with him are called and chosen and faithful. As for the waters you saw, he continued, where the whore was sitting, These are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. The ten horns you saw and the monster will hate the whore and will make her desolate and naked and will eat up her flesh and then burn her in fire. God has put it into their hearts to do this, to do his will, and with a single purpose to give their kingdom to the monster until God's words are completed. The woman which you saw is the great city that has royal dominion over the kings of the earth? Okay. Confused yet? Let's uh, let's dig in. Um, all right. So, question one: What does the image of prostitution refer to in the Bible? What does the image of prostitution refer to in the
1: Bible? I thought
0: Bible? it meant idolatry. Idolatry. Yes. Absolutely. It, uh, abso- absolutely. And I have a whole ton of verses there to prove that, don't I? Um, let's, let's look up at least um at least one of them um, uh, I think um, Ezekiel 23 is the common one um, let's look that up quickly um, just I want you to see this so that you, you, you see it um, Ezekiel 23, um, um. Uh, the, the word of the Lord came to me son of man there are two women the daughters of one mother they played the whore in Egypt they played the whore in their youth their breasts were caressed there and their virgin bosoms w- were fondled uh, Ula was the name of the elder and uh, oh- Oholiba was the name of her sister they became mine and they bore sons and daughters as for their names Ohola is Samaria and Oholibah is Jerusalem. Um, and, it, uh, and, it, and it goes on. But this whole chapter here, um, especially verses two through four, tell you something specifically. Um. Um. um what he in this verse here? What did the prophet call a prostitute? Refer to
2: Steve. The... Steve Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, but, uh, <laughs> referred to as a whore.
0: Yes, yes. So, so, but um, what what does what, in Ezekiel here? What did Ezekiel call a oh, two
3: cities. cities,
0: cities, right? Do you see that? He named two of them, Jerusalem and
3: uh, Samaria.
0: Samaria. Do, you, do you see that? And uh, the other verses there, um, you should have had two other cities uh, sufficient to name them. If you if you looked up the verses,
3: yeah, one that comes yeah. up is Babylon.
0: Yeah, Babylon is called one. Yep, yeah. there's three actually, Babylon.
1: Nineveh,
0: Nineveh, yep. Tyre, Tyre, yeah. Tyre. Okay. So, yep, Tyre. Um, so, now what's important about Nineveh and Tyre um, uh, in relation to Jerusalem and Samaria? <laughs> um, go ahead. Very simple. Uh, Jerusalem
2: and Samaria were. Jewish were they
0: not? Absolutely,
3: that's
2: exactly the answer I want. And the other ones were Gentiles, or right?
0: So they're not Jewish. They're not. They're not Not Israelite. Non-Jewish. Yeah. They're non-Jewish. So the image of so Susan was right. The image refers to idolatry. We have that, um, and 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 it's clearly in uh, in those verses that I have cited there from the prophets, and it's applied to specific cities right? Um, Specific cities are charged with prostitution. Um, And um, which means specific city. So let's, let's think about this language here. Why do you think that image is used? Why is the image of prostitution? used to describe idolatry and a city what's, refers what's, to
2: the civilization within the city
0: right so so how is that like a prostitute
3: because they sell their righteousness for the pleasures of the world
0: yep they're selling they, they turn away
3: from God and look to the world to give them their needs
0: right is, is that's um, often, how it is used of Israel, absolutely. But what about Tyre and um, Tyre and um, Nineveh?
3: Well, so they're they in are godly the ones. cities. Pardon? They're ungodly cities that worship idols.
0: Right. Um, now, um, the, so the, the idea is they're the ones who are selling themselves out. you you see that they're the ones who are selling themselves out and they're doing, and and, um, what does, uh, what do prostitutes do, but try to entice you in lure you, right? Lure you, seduce you, right? So those are the, those are the images that, so the idea is certain cities lure people, they seduce people, they lead them astray with promises of right, whatever, and and in doing so, they're leading them to idolatry. You see that? So that's that's how it's used of um, of other cities. So um, now, um, let's let's uh, any 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 thoughts or questions on that? Is that clear? And it, uh, so the idea here is prostitution refers to idolatry, and it, it's applied in the Old Testament to cities, and it, the idea is that cities uh, have a tendency in the Old Testament, centers of civilization have a tendency to be alluring, and they lure and draw people away from worship in the true God to worship false gods. Does that make sense? right um, now we've d- we did a little bit of that background work now let's jump back to revelation why is Babylon the great I should have put Babylon the great there in the question why is Babylon the great called a prostitute and you don't have to interpret what Babylon the great is at this stage right so that's a future question but just what does the text, why, knowing what we know so far, what, why is Babylon the Great called a prostitute?
3: It's the home of the beast.
0: Right. So what is it getting the world to do?
3: It's getting the world to leave God. That, yes.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's getting the world to, to leave God to, whoops, whoop whoops.
3: Pursue um, wealth and pleasure and whatever else.
0: Right. Wealth is in it. And he um,
3: ap- God and the work of God.
0: Right. Yep. That's right. Yeah, yeah do you guys I see that? Um it it it's 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 luring people away from worshiping the true God to worship something else. That's and that's what Babylon the Great's doing. Okay. Questions on the image of prostitution here before we move on to the next part of the question. Okay, uh, the next question, question two. What does it mean that the prostitute has become drunk with the blood of God's people? This is pretty. The one footnote mentioned that uh,
3: the prostitute or Babylon was so full of blood, the persecuting God's people.
0: Yeah persecuting God's people. Absolutely. That's, that's um, yeah, I I think it's, it's pretty self-explanatory there. Um, And and what's the goal of the prostitute using her seductive power? What's, what's the goal?
3: To lure people away from God so that they're lost.
0: So that they're lost. Right. Yeah. To steal
3: them from God.
0: Yep. And this is, this is um, um, described in, in, I making war, right? Making war on, um, on the lamb, on the lamb. Yep. Yeah. Great. All right. So we have that background there. Let's jump into question three. Um, how is the prostitute identified in the last verse? Start there. the last verse 17 18
1: the great city that has great. dominion over the kings of the earth
0: that's right and, and what did you notice about chapter 16 19 and 11 8 did you notice those What what's referenced in those ones too did you notice it was a Wasn't great city to
1: Rome?
0: well no, you're, you're jumping ahead I haven't I haven't done their own thing yet <laughs> Just the it, it <laughs> um, but 16 19 and 11 8 also refer to the great city, so so the great cities popped up before, uh, but now John is explaining what he means. Um, if that makes sense, all right. Um, um, so, um So, mm, I messed up the questions here. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely question four should have, should have come before question three. Uh, You don't have enough information to answer the second half of question three uh, until you've done question four. So, let's do question four. (laughs) oh man so question four in, 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 uh, compare 17 verse 8 which which talks about uh, the beast that you saw was and is not and is about to ascend out of the bottom and, and go to destruction and on all the inhabitants, of the, and the inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will be amazed at what they see by the beast and because it was and is not and is about to come all right compare that with the description of the beast in Revelation 13. So this beast has popped up before. Going back to Revelation 13 and remembering our previous study on that chapter, what do beasts represent in the Bible? Kingdoms. Kingdoms. Good. So what does this beast refer to? Kingdom of evil. Well, a kingdom. Right. Is why, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, what does the what explanation does the angel offer for the identity of the seven heads? What? So first, just what? What are the seven heads?
1: Seven hills.
0: Seven hills, and they're also and also what seven kingdoms. Seven, seven kings, right. So we have seven the seven heads or seven hills, which are seven kings. And, and what are the ten horns?
1: They're the ten kings who will make war on the land. Yep, yeah, they're
0: the ten kings, right. And what do the waters refer to?
3: People of all the People. different lands.
0: People from all different lands. Okay. Um, so, now there's a I want to show you a picture here. Describe to me what you're looking at here. What do you see? Roman coin. 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 A Roman coin. Right. Caesarus. Hey,
1: yeah, Who's the is on this?
0: yes. What do you notice about the, the, not the the picture of the emperor, but what do you notice about the other side? What's written underneath her the, the describe that to me.
3: The um, Rome. Rome.
0: Seven hills yeah. of Rome. The seven hills of Rome, right. And, and what's sitting, what kind of a, a thing is sitting on?
1: Some, I'm
0: sorry. Pardon? A female, a female of some. Of some I'm sorry. Yeah, a female. Uh, scantily clad female at that. This is a Roman denarius. Um, that is the depiction of the goddess Roma. The goddess of Rome depicted as sitting on the seven hills of the city. The city with seven hills is Rome. It's mentioned um, by several classical writers, Ovid and a whole bunch of dudes. Um, Rome, the, the, the city on seven hills is, there's only one city on seven hills and that's Rome. Um, and there's only one city that has that 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 rules over the kings of the earth, and that in John's day, and that is oh Rome. <laughs> um, so put it all together. What is this beast with seven heads and ten horns?
1: Oh,
0: yes, ish.
3: Well, the Roman Empire.
0: Empire. The Roman Empire. Empire. Yeah. yeah right? See, there, there's a, we, we need to make, the, one is the Roman Empire as a political institution. You see it? Now let's go back to question three and answer. So what does the prostitute represent specifically in John's day?
1: Roman Empire.
0: The Roman city, the city of Rome. City of <laughs> Rome. You see it? Because that's what he said. He tells you explicitly at the end of the passage. Okay. The, the woman is the great city that has uh, that rules over the kings of the earth. Right. It's yeah, ex- a
3: seat of government.
0: Right. We do this too, don't we? Ottawa did this. Washington did this. Right. Tehran did this. Right. We personify governments based on the capital, don't we? And, um, so that's what's going on here. Um, but John, as you see by that image, John is playing on Roman propaganda, isn't he? Rome depicts, Rome depicts the city by the goddess Roma. And, and John is effectually saying, think about how subversive and how political this is. John is not just saying, oh, fight your government. He says, no, no, no. The goddess of Rome is a whore. <laughs> that's, that's what he's saying. <laughs> I mean, this is pretty political. Uh, Rome is a whore, uh, and, and you're getting all drunk on uh, on its power. Uh, the kings, and, and because what happens in Rome? How do um, King Herod? Who gives King Herod his authority to rule in Galilee? Rome, Rome, the city of Rome.
3: He's as a little horn. As,
0: yeah. Yeah. King Herod is one of those 10 horns. You see it? He has authority to rule for one hour because the beast gives him the authority.
3: Get it? No, I I've heard reformed Protestant groups that look upon revelation strictly as a prophetic book talking again about that being Rome, but uh, the prostitute is the Catholic church land etc etc on and on
0: right but the problem is um with that interpretation is revelation chapter one where it says the things which must shortly take place
3: yeah uh, and and, and, and again we we look at who it was was written to. for right and uh, the roman catholic church did not exist at that time it did not no, and so
0: this has to have a direct application to the people whom John's writing to in those seven churches, right? Does that make sense? He, he wrote to people living then, it's not written to you, it's written for you, but not to you. Your name is not on the letter. <laughs> the names on the letter are the church of Sardis, Thyatira, right? Those seven churches that's who it's written to, and it's written for you. Uh, because also, it has to be relevant are, to them, it's got to be relevant to them, and once you discover how it's relevant to them, you can it, it becomes much easier to make the, the parallel to similar situations today. That's exegesis 101, right? Understanding you your Bible. Do
1: have an idea how many people were in each of those seven churches at the time? No, no. we
0: have uh. And we're not sure if if each one of those churches, if it's one house church, or if it's um, a bunch of little house churches throughout the city, um, or maybe they met with a wealthy person in a big house, like we we have, we have no way of knowing. Um, We we, like, yeah, I don't know of anybody who would claim to know how big they are. Um, Okay, so Let's um, all right. So, um, so we've so so. If that's what the prostitute represents specifically for John's day, let's do some thinking here. What does it represent in general? Not specific for John's day. So we know exactly how it applies to John's day. All right, the the. the the, the, the harlot is Rome, the city. The city of Rome in, uh, entices people to false worship by promising them luxury um, um, pa- economic power. We'll see that in chapter 18. Um, economic power, um, and, and by and it points people to false worship. It does so by promoting uh, worship of the emperors, worship of pagan gods, worship of Rome itself as a goddess. Um, so
1: it, it also does you this. Can
0: avoid persecution. And I, I, that's right. And it would help you avoid persecution. Um, the beast is the empire, um, and the empire um, has. Um, seven heads. Um, um, let's see, what do we do? Yeah, so we're, we're going to get to that a little bit. We're going to get to how all that relates in a little bit. Um, so so based on that, what might the prostitute represent in general?
3: Secular society?
0: Yeah, something like that. Um yeah, I think that's 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 a good beginning. Anyone want to say something additional to that? How would you clarify that further? Secular society is a good start. Think about the um, think about what Rome does. I know it, it's a bit tricky. I would say it's something along the lines of, it's something along the lines of political and economic forces, which move the world away from worship of God to worship other things. Right. It's, it's, it's the political, economic and uh, religious movements of the world. If that makes sense. Um, I'll give you a good 21st century example, some 20th century examples. Communism. Was communism political? Yep. Yeah. Was it economic? Yes. Yeah. Was it a religion?
2: Sort of. <laughs> it became absolutely. a
1: religion.
0: It became yeah. a religion. Oh, and it's a, a Fundamentally is an anti-Christian movement line of thought. Right. Um, so, um, Uh, And you could say it's based on us out of a city too, right? At some points, Moscow, right? Um, So Beijing, yeah, or Beijing or or whatever. So communism, right? You see it? It's 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 a political, economic, quasi-religious thing, movement, idea that has that people, kings of the earth, get authority from, right? They, they use it, they become lured, by, lured, enticed by this, and they they get power out of it, right? You see it? They, they use this to gain power. Does that make sense? Um, you see, it's hard to pin down um, uh, exactly what it's trying to get at. But I think that I, if you understand what I'm trying to get at by the analogy of communism and how it, re- how it relates... Um, you can probably sit down at any point in time and point out to those things, right, which represent this. It's a reoccurring it's image. It's
1: a lot different today than initially the theology of what it was supposed to be. You know, they corrupted the whole concept of what communism was supposed to be. And now it's more like a dictatorship, really.
0: Well, because, I don't know. You know? Karl Marx, <laughs> Karl Marx was, a, was a real piece of work he the guy was a nut job yeah but, but before, <laughs> yeah, in, um, three of his kids committed everything now. Was
1: supposed to be treated equally and make the same amount and all that like it was supposed to initially be where there wasn't a hierarchy but it just evolved that you know sin has its way of working through everything and you know they still have the individuals that wanted power and that were corrupted and It's a lot different than what the idea was supposed to be. It's more of a dictatorship today. And they say there's um, elections, but, you know, when you're killing your opponent or trying to kill your opponents, that's not a democratic election.
3: Yeah. But, but, But the thing is, if communism actually worked, it would have been present long before it manifested itself. would have been communist governments uh throughout history but that's a fairly fairly recent innovation last 200 years basically
0: all right so let's move back let's move off of communism here yeah and let's let's finish up question three we have two little side questions which start to bring a little application here which i think is important so let's the first question is how might she, the prostitute, have tempted and seduced the Christians that John knew. I have a reference there to Revelation 2, 20 as a hint. So so how, how might Rome have tempted the Christians in the first century?
1: Undermined loyalty it. to God?
0: Undermined loyalty to God. Yeah, and in what way what look just brainstorm what 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 way practical rate ways would could rome do that
1: so like
3: economically, <laughs> economically. Yeah, they, they, they give you benefits if you swear allegiance to rome right and if you don't they persecute the heck out of you yeah
0: yeah, yeah. And, and um you know they throw you throw you accolades and put you on cnn and all sorts of fun things right um uh, otherwise they cancel you um, and you cancel a, today. Cancellation isn't quite the same thing. If you're canceled by the Roman empire, <laughs> um, to be canceled by the Roman empire is not a fun thing. Um, um, all right. And, and so seeing that in what ways does this prostitute, Babylon the Great, in what ways does it tempt Christians today? So, another way to say that is how does the world tempt Christians today?
3: By wealth, prosperity, power, uh, enjoyment, uh, to be
1: accepted.
3: Wanting yep. to be accepted, yep.
1: Find a good end.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, not being canceled. Not being canceled. That's being right. Canceled. Um, uh, also, um,
3: getting put in Facebook jail.
0: Getting paid. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, um, um. There's a, there's a big movement now to um, uh, shame certain groups of people into accepting their point of view, right? Um, um, yeah, that, that's a bit of a different Bible study, but yeah. Uh, uh, making fun of Christians in the media, right? Christians are, are hardly ever depicted as being smart, intellectual Uh, people were always you know simplistic buffoons in the movies and tv right you know uh, it's it's very rarely
3: lately in the media we're a bunch of sex crazed pedophiles
0: that's right or uh conspiracy theorists or you know um who knows what um but so the world tries to tempt christians um and also by challenging our uh, also actually by challenging our core beliefs right um by, by by changing uh, fundamental ideas of what the society teaches, and, and so that um, to be Christian is 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 to believe things that the world thinks are are backward or 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 wrong, and sometimes they would say um, um, harmful, um, and that pressures people, that tempts them uh, into into conforming to the world's ideas. So this is very alive and 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 living today this is this is a relevant relevant um
1: yeah but i i you know the, the bulk of the christians that are decent reasonable people and all that they're not calling out all these crazies right you know the uh in the catholic church what happened to all those kids and all that And then down in the States with all the crazy Christian right-wing fanatics and, you know, they're anti-black, they're anti-everybody. I mean, they're using the Bible for their own personal hate. And we're not not calling them out on it. So that's why people just lump us all in together because we sit back and we're quiet and we go to church every week and, you know, we obey God's word and everything. Meanwhile, those people that are using the Christian church for various corrupt ways sure. are taking us down with them, really. You know, it's sure. harder to be a decent Christian because decent Christians don't call the ones out.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, this, is, this, is the, this is the hard part about our society. Our society does not like to hear the law. And we don't like to have to confront people with the law. You know what I mean? Um, uh, If I proclaim the law, sharply enough, people are going to be upset. (laughs) Because people get upset when you tell them, hey, that thing you love? Yeah, that's wrong. You shouldn't do that.
1: There's a lot of weird right-wing Christians and everybody that are laughing at what happened in London the other day. You know? I'm sure.
3: Yeah. yeah,
1: and it's about time people call these people out on it and say this is not what Christianity is about.
0: Yeah, sure, absolutely. I mean, look at John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist. Um, Herod, um, was it? He had his brother, sister, or something, and it was against the law, God's law, and, and Herod called him out. <laughs> you fox. Right. I mean, that's, uh, uh, and he was thrown in jail because of it. And he actually lost his head because of it. Um, Right. He, he, from, for calling out uh, that kind of thing. So that, that that kind of thing has always been part of the church. We, you're right. We have kind of lost it. Um, All right. Question five. Um, I was digging this in, in, into this uh, imagery just a little bit more. So, why is the prostitute sitting on the beast? What does it mean that the monster carries the prostitute of Babylon and gives her
3: power? Because, like, the Roman Empire basically fed Why Rome and that gave re- Rome ca- power.
0: described immorality, And what, how is that related to what the ten kings do in Chap- in verses 12 to 14. It's a bit of a complicated question, but you, you should have the pieces here to put this all together. So, take them one at a time. So, why is the, why is the woman sitting on the beast?
1: Because the beast is her supporter.
0: For a hint, you could look at verse uh, 15 also that also helps you uh, to understand what's going on there. You see it. So, so in verse 15, you've got the woman is seated, not on a beast, but on what? Peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues and languages. People, right? All right. So you have people. And we've... Why? What does it... Why is the prostitute enthroned, seated on people? What is that? What is it? What's the point that John's trying to get across?
1: That's the idolatry again.
0: John's trying to get across here that the the city of Rome functions only because people give Rome power. Right? People give Rome power. Kings give Rome power, right? Um, the the, um, the, monster, the the monster, the monster who ha- is is seven heads, which are seven kings, and they have ten horns, which are ten kings. Those kings give the 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 city its power. Um, they're the ones. Now, why is that described as immorality? Now that you've got those pieces. To...
3: Because if those kings are all loyal to Mark, Rome, you're,
0: you're muted.
3: I wasn't. Yeah, I you're, you're I your lips hear are moving, but no sounds I coming. Have... I, don't
1: think he me. I can hear him. I can hear
3: him, yeah. Yeah, my, my, my mic on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're on me. Um, tell you something. what, I'm going to sign off and then yeah, come other back. Other people
0: are talking. It's me, it's got to be me. I can't hear. Well, look, it. look at that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe this I'll just move to how about now? Somebody speak. Hello,
1: Hello. One,
2: two,
0: three. Nope. There we go. it's me. <laughs> y- y'all obviously can hear me. All right, try that. Yep. Oh, all right. Bye. My ear, well, stupid things. All right, try that. I had um, that
1: problem last week.
0: <laughs> so we'll try that again. All right, so maybe you guys were answering, and I and I, I, was like, wow, this is an awkward long time.
3: <laughs> I, I was at- Actually, can you hear that. me now.
0: I can hear you now. Sorry, I, I I didn't mean to be rude. I I actually didn't couldn't hear anybody. I thought you guys were all quiet and silent.
1: I just Thought <laughs> I was wrong, no which I was willing like to believe. <laughs> right.
0: So what? How, what did you guys answer?
3: I I answered that it was um, a, again because they get all of the financial support and their power from the people.
0: That's right. From the
3: That's other kings that are controlling those people.
0: Right now, why is that described as prostitution?
3: Because it's leading them away from God, right. And concentrating their their loyalty again on the beast and the harlot. Right, and,
0: and Rome's doing it, in it by offering them power, right? Yep. Political power, economic power.
3: Um, you're going to get and it. freedom and peace. Yeah because they didn't have a whole lot of that before Rome.
0: Absolutely. A big part of Rome's propaganda was you join us, you get Pax Romana, the Roman peace. Right? Big yeah. so that's a, that's a big propaganda. Uh that's 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 going on there. So that's that's why um so I'm, we're just tying some of that together. um, um and that's what in in verses 12 to 14 right like i we we hinted at this with um <coughs> with um with herod the local king the local kings the client kings like herod herod they get their authority they're each given kingdom for one hour so their client so the client kings are dependent on rome um and if you know how Rome falls, Rome does fall because ultimately, barbarians, client kings, come in and take over. Uh, the
3: authority for one hour mean just a small piece of that authority? Yeah, like like uh, Herod over yep. Judah. Yeah, and somebody uh, else over another province.
0: Yeah, I think, and for a short time too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that's probably the best way. Now. Um, I didn't have this as a question because it's 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 just too too difficult um but let's um let's look at that little phrase um there are seven kings five have fallen one is and the other isn't is yet to come and when he does come he remains only a little while and the eighth, and the beast itself is himself an eighth king so um It's obvious to to most scholars that he's referring to a a succession of Roman emperors, but the problem is we don't know where he's starting. And we don't know. We know when he wrote about during the reign of Domitian and we don't know, but we don't know whether he's starting his counting with Caesar, uh, Julius or with Augustus. We don't know if he's counting after Nero died, there were three, uh, pretenders to the throne who both had they, they were very quick we don't know if he's counting them or just skipping to the next big emperor um, so and, and so there's been different schemes of interpreters who tried to line it up um, uh, and that's generally the wrong way to go about this seven denotes completeness Eight,
3: yeah.
0: right a, a full Eight. week is seven Right. Okay. So the, the point of this image is this this is the complete list of rulers, right? Seven kings. There are seven kings. Five have fallen. One is and the other's yet, and another's yet to come. So, meaning uh, Rome has gone on for a while. It'll go on for a little while longer, right? Um, uh, Maybe and when, not
3: as long as it already has.
0: not as long as it already has um and and when um um and when the last emperor falls evil will still endure (laughs) right uh there'll be an eighth king and he's the beast and right and the cycle repeats itself um um i i think it's something along those lines uh it's a very tricky image to get um um, and especially if you move it beyond Rome, which I do, I do think it has an application beyond Rome. Um, how, how does this relate to, um, to the image in general? I, I, um, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's very tricky. Commentators end up talking about the whole trying to line this up with the Roman emperors and then they move on. And they, they say, <laughs> they don't, oftentimes they don't, you know, You know, reading the commentaries. I read through like seven or eight commentaries on this and, and very, none of them just came out and said, here's what it is. <laughs> Cause that's just not, you just can't do that in revelation, I guess. Anyway. Um, but We know that seven, and and 10 also, 10 is is around number. It's not actually 10 kings. It's uh, a a complete list of kings, Um, this kind of thing. So these numbers are symbolic. Um, They're not literal. That helps us to not be hung up over the nitty-gritty details, um, but to see uh, the bigger picture. And I think the bigger picture of this whole section will become clear Um, when we go into our next questions here. Pastor, Um, on
2: on my footnotes, it says that the eighth king, uh, the Antichrist who plays the role of a king, but is in reality part of the cosmic struggle between God and Satan.
0: Yeah, I I legitimately don't think there's any scriptural warrant for the idea that there will be some one final Antichrist dude at the end of time. I, I just, John already has told us you've heard that Antichrist is coming, and indeed there are many Antichrists. Many, yeah. Um, so I think, um, and he says, um, who's the Antichrist, but he who denies that Jesus uh, is God okay. in the flesh. Um, okay. So um, I, I don't think, um, I think what the Antichrist is, is, the way I understand it is essentially more like an, like an office that different people fulfill at different times. Um, if, if that makes sense. Yeah.
3: Um, job description.
0: It's a job description, that's right. It's, it's more of a job description <laughs> than an identity. Um, it, it, in um, in the Reformation time, who did Martin Luther say was that true Antichrist?
3: Hopefully.
1: hopefully.
0: It's in the Book of Concord. We... Uh, some Lutheran pastors will tell you, "Nope, the Pope is the Antichrist." Period. Always, ever, and will ever shall be world without end. Amen. Um, and um, I don't take that qu- that interpretation of that text. I think that's Luther's making a historical judgment. Hey, I've 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 looked at the world around me, and that guy's the Antichrist. <laughs> um, uh, at that point in time. At that point in time, yeah. um, to say the the Rome of today is not nearly what the Rome of the 1500s was it's got it, no... it's,
3: it's interesting when you read through some of luther's works he quotes some of the <laughs> earlier popes in very good light oh yes yeah, yeah so yep. it's not the office of the papacy it's that particular individual at that <laughs> particular time
0: yeah or it's what the papacy became by the time of the reformation um, Yeah, and uh i mean it, it's not that anymore um rome does not have the same political power that it, it did at that point in time so I, but that's a different Bible study. <laughs> um, so question six here. Why do you think the beast who supported the prostitute later attacks and destroys her? What's the significance of this? So why do you think the beast eventually attacks and destroys her?
1: Satan ultimately seeks our destruction.
0: Right, but that's, uh, in this case, you've got two forces of Satan, one force of Satan destroying another force of Satan.
3: Yeah, and you preached about that last Sunday about a house divided against itself. That's right. Yeah. So it's probably not. It's probably the remnant of the faithful.
0: No, in this case, it is a house divided against itself. Oh, really?
3: It is, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, that, that's the
0: significance that evil ultimately. The significance is. Uh, let me try. Let me do the significance, and then we'll work backwards. The significance is that evil ultimately self-implodes. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: N- can you? Na- can you? Na- uh, you don't have to say it, but can you th- nod your head in agreement if you can think of a, uh, a historical example of evil self-imploding?
3: Yeah. The fall of the Berlin Wall is a good example.
0: Right. Evil so tends to self, self implode. Um, um, and so th- that's the idea here. Um, the provinces will ultimately eat up Rome. <laughs> right? The, um, this, th- this is the kind of image. Of Rome will eventually be invaded and, and collapsed. Or, right? Uh, evil ultimately self implodes. So if evil self implodes, why? Might the beast destroy the harlot? Now, um, what does the text say? It's a bit—it's a trick question. <laughs> Supreme control. Pro, could be something like that. Um, you're, you're, you're all missing the trick in the question. Verse seventeen. why does god. the beast destroy why does the beast destroy the harlot god is it's
2: god's purpose. will <laughs>
0: cuz god cuz you know cuz god ultimately put it in their hearts to do it right
3: yeah it's god's will
0: yep and and i think the ultimate significance is though that evil self implodes right um and and so if that's the case how, what what how Does this remind? What does this remind us of? And how does this reassure us as Christians?
1: God's will will be uh, fulfilled, right? Right. Uh, You know, God can use what evil people are out there for His own purposes, right?
0: Right. So if if you're combating, um, if you're combating an evil government, or an evil, an, an evil ideology. Uh, in the world today, if if, if if what does this chapter of Revelation ultimately tell us about that evil government, about that evil ideology?
1: It'll be destroyed.
0: Yeah, right. it that's that's I think that's the, the bottom line of the uh, what you're what you're supposed to get from this. There are there are ideologies out there that politicians use to gain power right economic political religious ideologies that politicians will use to get authority and get power and ultimately the whole house of cards will come clashing down and then they'll find a new ideology to prop up and get power a different way right and the cycle will continue um um and, and I think that's what this is, is, is describing here. Um, and it has particular, to, that's the general application. The specific application to John's day has all to do with Rome. The don't worry one day Rome will, do, the city of Rome won't rule the earth forever. Uh, one day the, uh, it, 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 the empire itself will go into upheaval and the whole, whole house of cards will come collapsing down and for certain we know that that happened um so that reassures them that they're not dealing with something that's they're not dealing um they're dealing with something that will come to an end um and that can help them to to keep up the good fight
2: so god allows evil to continue for a short period of time, but ultimately he's still in control.
0: Absolutely. As as Luther te- sometimes says, uh, uh, the devil is God's devil. <laughs> he, he has a leash. He can only, right? Think of the book of Job. He can yeah. only do, It's it's. he can only do what God permits him.
2: Allows him, him to. permits him to,
0: yeah. Um, All right. Uh, Question seven. Here we come to the gospel nuggets in the passage. Um, Alongside the lamb in his victory over the beast and his followers are the lamb's own followers. What's is significant about each of his followers characteristics? And here they are called chosen faithful. So let's, each one of those, called, chosen, faithful. Let's take the first, called. What's significant about that idea, called? What does that mean in the Bible, called?
3: They follow Christ. They're hearing, eating the call of the Holy Spirit.
0: No, I don't think that's quite it. Think back to your catechism. The third article of the creed
3: called by the gospel
0: yes called by the gospel enlighten me with his gifts right that's so when you see the word called in the bible it refers to the call of the gospel how god through the preaching of the word or through baptism um, which is the word applied through water but through the word god calls you to faith right He's called me by the gospel, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. Chosen, that one's a little easier. What does chosen refer to?
1: We're God's children.
0: We're God's children, absolutely. And, and um, since when have we been God's children? Baptism. And, and before that too. Um,
1: Our names are written in the book of life.
0: Since when?
2: Even before I was conceived yeah. in my mother's womb.
0: That's right. It, but there, it's in the text. Um, where is it? Whose names were in it's It's in the negative, but it, it, it's. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, verse eight. The end of verse or the middle of verse eight. And in the inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life. From when? Creation of the world. From the creation of the world. Right. This is that preponderous <laughs> mystery of predestination that, <laughs> right. That's you're, you're chosen by God and you're chosen from the foundation of the world. Um, uh, and, and that's um, uh, notice, but notice the called chosen. How does, how does God's choice uh, reveal itself in the world. It, re- it reveals itself in the world by the gospel, by the call and the acceptance of faith. And then the final one is faithful. Now, what does that mean? That's followers. Followers, right. That's right. Um, and in the context here, um, it implies not giving into the world's temptations, Right. Not listening to the world not believing the world's ideologies not compromising uh your faith with um, worldly beliefs not uh right not uh entertaining the prostitutes so to speak right you, 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 so, you so you get the you get the image what what John's trying he's his imagery is dense and, and it's hard but once you get a little of it and you can speak in the image you, you might get it Right, uh, don't listen to the hot prostitute, don't entertain her. Um, right, and and note that this is not an anti women uh image because this is not the only woman depicted in, in this in this chapter, is in this book, is it? Where was the other woman we saw
3: standing on the crescent moon
0: standing right? Remember, the people of God who are pure and clean and chaste. And in chapter 22, there's going to be a wedding, (laughs) right? Uh, or, or not, maybe chapter 21, uh, in the future, in the coming chapter, there's going to be a wedding between that. And where's that woman? She's being kept safe by God. Right. So there's, so don't, don't, uh, be offended by the, by the, by the imagery here. Um, um, but, um, faithfulness to god right um not worshiping idols not worshiping um you know the problem today is um idolatry has become harder to um pin down because um we don't now it's not about zeus and hera and, and uh, you know uh, athena and these pantheons of gods generally it can be if you're tempted by hinduism i'm I'm sure it's it it is then but today in north america it's different gods it's the gods of uh money and self-identity and um self-expression and being your authentic self and it's become uh the gods of um uh fighting against uh um um Fighting against oppression, and you know, we we've turned. You can turn anything into a god. <laughs> um, you can turn uh, serving as usher in the church into your god. Don't know why you would do such a silly thing, but you could do it. <laughs> um, we're very good at making other th- things other than God God, <laughs> um, and there's the lure to do that. Um, and so this chapter is reminding us to. Uh, uh, this chapter is reminding us of, of how God has called us. He's chosen us. Um, and he set us apart and evil will self implode. Evil will be dealt with. It'll lure people. It will entice people. The world will do the world's thing. God's got us safe. Um, yeah. and, And the rest of those, um, I, uh the next part of the question is something personal to you. It's a, a question that uh, we will not answer here, but it's to what extent would you describe each, uh, uh, what could you, could you be described as each one of those things called chosen and faithful? That's a question you have to ask yourself. Um, uh, we've got this. What are the implications of child? We, we kind of covered that. Um, and, and notice how, can we be faithful in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation? Philippians 2. Did any of you look up that passage? Because I think there's some neat parallels here, especially with that idea of a qu- uh, twisted and perverse generation. Jesus called, remember, Jesus used a similar phrase of of, his, of, the, of, the, of the, the, the generation in Jerusalem. Remember what he called them? A wicked and adulterous generation. Remember that? Uh, so Jesus uses the similar language to <laughs> um but uh Philippians chapter two verses fourteen through sixteen um he says um can't see the four in any case uh my, is that and do
2: everything without oh no sorry two two
0: two two two, two not four yeah. not four sorry I'm like that's not right there we go do all things without murmuring and arguing. Um, boy, I was talking to somebody today, and we we North Americans love murmuring and complaining. <laughs> <laughs> we put facebook into our friends and we never do the old-fashioned thing where we go "Oh, i have something i have a problem with that person i'm gonna go talk to them no we we, we smile at them and oh nice to see you it's great oh and not 10 seconds after they're out of our reach oh man that nasty piece of work Wish well, you would just leave me alone stupid pastor <laughs> that's right no that's um but this we all have that tendency it's everywhere in our culture I just thought of that as looking at do nothing without murmuring or arguing so that you may be blameless, innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. It is by your holding fast to the word of life that I can boast about the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. So notice what Paul says. How do you stand fast uh, in the midst of a crooked, uh, a crooked and perverse generation? <laughs> By holding fast to the word of life. Don't let it go. Hold it fast. And of course, you know, don't argue and complain about it. <laughs> uh, that's, and that's all of us. Absolutely all of us. Uh, all right. All right. What would you pick as the key verse here in in Revelation seventeen here? At fourteen.
3: Yep. Yeah. Yep. I was the same.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The other one I would accept would be the would be verse eighteen, because it, it summarizes some of the eighteen or seventeen. Eighteen, the woman you saw is the great city. Uh, that that that's also a, a a key idea, at least in terms of application, as to what John's trying to get across. Uh, that that um, society is society is a whore, <laughs> and it will uh, attract you and seduce you, and try to uh, try to do all those things. Um, but yeah, the gospel nugget. The the, the the idea there is is it's verse fourteen absolutely. Um, and then, whether was there any extra questions, lingering questions you had about this chapter? Did I not cover something? Was there a detail I missed? Uh, did you disagree with me on something? I want to flush it out, duke it out?
1: <laughs> Don't
0: All right. Great. Well, l- let's uh, offer a prayer. And if there's any further discussion, we can do it outside of the recording. Okay. Oh, God, you so rule and govern our hearts and our minds by your Holy Spirit, that ever mindful of the eventual end of all things and the agony of the wicked and the ecstasy of the saved and your just judgment, you may be stirred up to ever stronger faith and holiness of living here and hereafter dwell with you forever in heaven. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at RevFenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at iCloud.com. Look forward to having you
3: with us again next time.